Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast. By the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact. Make yourselves heard. What's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox's Sake, episode 56. Happy New Year, Rob. Happy New Year. 2017. It is 2017, but um, we are slightly late because of our extended Christmas break. Um, so I, I don't like saying Happy New Year from now on. I think I give it to like the fifth. And if anyone says Happy New Year, they've, they ruin the year. But this is the first time I've seen you since the New Year. That's true. But Happy New Year to all the listeners. I uh, hope you had a good time. Obviously, it's been a while since episode 55. Um, Which, thank you, by the way, was our most listened to podcast ever. Yes. So it's nice to know that people and more people out there are still wanting to listen to our ramblings. Exactly. So uh, thank you for that. Yes. So a big hello to everyone who listens to the podcast. We know people li- uh, listen to it over in the Far East, over in America, around the UK, people on different platforms throughout, say, the internet. So people on Fox's Talk, people on Reddit who go on uh, our Facebook group, maybe people who follow us on Twitter, at FFS Pod. Uh, those who listen through SoundCloud, of course, the best place to listen will be through iTunes. So if you've got a mobile phone, if you've got an iPhone, go on to podcasts on there and you can subscribe for free. It means that it downloads it automatically. Uh, for those of you listening on laptops, you can go on iTunes and again go to podcasts and subscribe. It's all completely free. Uh, that's the best place to access the podcast and also through Twitter as well because we do put stuff on there most days uh, and it's not we're not one of those uh, podcasts on Twitter say who who just retweet everything that has LCFC in it we generally just put what we think and little funny bits that we think of what's going on and, and retweet what people have said to us and I think people who follow us on Twitter they understand they go I've had a few people who, who I've seen and they've gone I'm glad you just don't put loads of rubbish on there and any story that involves Leicester, you just retweet. So I'm like, no, if, if I think it's worthwhile or you think it's worthwhile, Rob, then then we'll put it on. Yeah, but we don't just hammer stuff out for the sake of it. Exactly. Um, and for those that do, fair play. But uh, but that's, that's not what we're about. Exactly. That's not our message. Yeah, we're about quality content and talking garbage on podcasts. Uh, so anyway, we're not going to change. One of which we do quite well. Exactly. We're not going to change uh, because we think that people don't want us to change. Don't go changing. Don't go changing at all. Just carry on talking absolute garbage. Shall we talk garbage about football? For, oh, yeah, it's football, isn't it? Um, okay, so since the last time we met for the festive special, um, obviously that we discussed all sorts on that episode. Uh, since then... We've played a few times, seventh, uh, twelve times, four, four. Oh, okay, nearly. And um, though we've a bit of a contrasting from what we are now, or what Leicester fans and the wider public think of the club and the team and the way forward, is a lot different to before Boxing Day. Isn't it amazing how one or two results or a performance of a couple of players or the team can can sway people's viewpoints that quickly? I know it's the whole New Year, New Me thing, but. It has people. People, have, I think there's more sense of optimism now than there was a few weeks ago. Do you have a New Year's resolution? Um, or did you? Have you broken it already? No, I haven't. But I've, I've, my plan is to manage my time better. But I haven't managed to manage my time better today because my car broke down. 
Yes, it, it did. Let's not talk about that. And, and you forgot they were going to do the podcast as well. I d- you know what? Because I was stranded on the A47 for a couple of hours, <laughs> uh, I did completely forget you were coming. And well, then you just walked down my drive. I was like, well, hi, Pete. Well, the motorway network uh, completely destroyed in the UK. The, the M1 was an absolute disaster today. But anyway, um, yeah, I've got... I'm trying to go dry for January. Well, then dry January. Trying, things. being yeah. the key word. Well, there's... You've, all, not, you've not committed there. You've not no. overly committed. Do you know why? Because um, I might go dry until Seville. Dry till Seville. Dry till Seville. That's... Yeah, it doesn't really rhyme, but... Have you, have you just come up with that? No, no, that was a plan all along. Okay. Um, and then obviously go mad in in, in Seville. You only need about three pints. No. Nope. Be on the floor. Um, yeah, probably. But no, that, that, that's, the, that's the plan. Um, anyway, enough of that good, rubbish. Good luck with it. Yeah, I'll definitely need it. So, Boxing Day, Leicester nil, Everton 2. You weren't there, were you? No. No, uh, but there were 32,000 there. Yeah, including you. It was dreadful. Yeah, sounded it. But it was dreadful in a way where... Obviously, we're talking from a couple of weeks after the event, and a lot's happened since. But looking back, um, my opinion has not changed from when I walked out. And again, this is my genuine opinion. When I walked out of that game, Leicester did not play very well. There were a number of players who played poorly, but it wasn't a massive disaster, which people thought it was. Everton were dreadful. They were terrible. But... They had one ball downfield, which bounced a couple of times. Vasilevsky and Morgan, none of them went for it. And it ended up breaking um, for Morales, whose shot was deflected off Vasilevsky over the goalkeeper, Schmeichel, into the back of the net. Game over, really. Vasilevsky out. Oh, yeah. He's How not was he play. in the shirt again? Well, he was the only player we had, really. But um, Hernandez is apparently a half-decent defender. He's obviously slipped down the ranks there, isn't he? Just a bit, yeah. But um, it was a changed team because of um, suspensions. And that goal really sealed the game. We had the better chances in the first half. There was a lot of booing for Ranieri when he substituted uh, Dumari Gray, who, to be honest, at the time, was he the brightest spark not really at the time. He played well in the first half. Should he have been brought off? I I agree. Maybe no, but it maybe didn't warrant an absolute chorus of boos. Don't start booing the bloke who won the Premier League for us. And we'll go around to Ranieri in a bit, i.e. the next game. And um, yes, it was just a bit of a bad day all round. Uh, Slimani came in for a lot of criticism. He did have a shocker. I will repeat though, he had nothing to work on. And again, people think. If you're going to boot the ball up front to the big man, yes, he's quite a tall bloke and, and quite stocky in that. Um, pretty quick over the ground for a big man. He's not Steve Howard. He's not Ian Ormondroy. He's not Peter Crouch. He's not going to win everything in the air. Like Leo Joe is a genuine target man. Slamani's not a target man. So if you boot it up front and he doesn't win the header with the big centre half, that's not his full game. So yes, he did have a shocker. His hold-up play was poor. His work rate was slight, was poor. He didn't play well, but it wasn't the massive shocker that everyone thought. It was a very disappointing result, and they needed a performance in the next game. And they got it. And they got it. Against West Ham at home, again, you were not there. No, New Year's Eve, I was in St Ives, dressed as Adam from Adam and Eve. Have you seen the pictures? From Adam and Eve fame. No, I'm not seeing the pictures. Um, I wore a nude-coloured skin-tight morph suit. 
You're welcome. No that. one should see those pictures. You're welcome for that. No image. one should see those pictures. Just a fig leaf. Oh Christ! To anyway, New Year's, my modesty. New Year's Eve, uh, City <laughs> won West Ham nil. Um, Had to beat them, didn't we? West, yes, we West did. West Ham are very patchy. They, they hold themselves up to eleventh with a decent run of two or three wins, didn't they? But, we, but they were never any good. They were never eleventh place team. True, but we might be saying that in about the next two weeks. Not true. Um, no, but uh, we played West Ham at home. And City, and once again, credit to Ranieri because he's obviously gave him a bit of a rollicking during the week and this, that and the other. They came out flying. Now, Chilwell played well against Everton and uh, they kept him in the lineup for the game against West Ham. Obviously, um, Huth came back in and there was a bit of a change around because it looked like it was either going to be Demari Gray or maybe even uh, Riyad Mahrez playing behind the big man up front. Slim Marnie. Mm. See, I called him the big man. But he's not a target man. And so it was a slightly changed formation. But a lot of people kind of applauded the fact. And City, for the first 20 minutes, it was the same against Man City. They were brilliant. On the left-hand side, the Amari Gray and Ben Chilwell working brilliantly together. Chilwell on the overlap. Really good going forward. Very solid in defence. In the midfield, Leicester were very good as well. Armati playing well. Mares a few nice touches. Gray looked very dangerous. But... Slimani was borderline unplayable at times. And when I mean that, I don't mean being the best player ever and Messi, do you know what I mean? But uh, he was fantastic. He's a, he's a proper handful, but with footballing ability, isn't he? And when he gets both of those on the right level at the same time, he's he's a very difficult customer. Yeah, Yes, he had a volley well saved. He hit the post with a header, which he did the best he could do to get on the end of it. Uh, the goal was fantastic. Albrighton, who had a stormer in many eyes, in many people's eyes, he was the man of the match, maybe because he was playing on the right side instead of the left, because yeah. he is right-footed, and There's, yes, he played the whole of last season on the left. Yeah, I mean, it, he's... He's got crossing ability, no no doubt about that. But I think there's more areas of uncertainty you can put a ball into from your natural side, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And and you can create a much more natural angle, as he did for that cross, because what a cross and what a header. Exactly. A great cross, uh, first-time cross, and a brilliant header by Slimani. Yes, the cross made it, but that was just meat and drink for him. And a great header past the goalkeeper, who had a blinder. The goalkeeper saved. I mean, a few people were criticising, not criticising, saying that it wasn't the best game Mares has ever played. He was taken off, but we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, I thought he had a very decent game. Again, we're talking about the PFA Player of the Year, who one or two really good touches, beat a few men, a few nice passes, which again go, I think, they go unnoticed at times. A free kick right into the top corner that was saved by the keeper. And Leicester, they should really have been two or three up. That was the danger. And because they've got Andy Carroll up front, who wins everything? And I always like the way that Huth and Morgan play against Carroll because Huth goes, I'm, I'm going to go near him because he's going to win the header against me. And this is Robert Huth. So I'm just going to go off and defend somewhere else. And Morgan can deal with uh, Carroll. And all Morgan does is just every time Carroll jumps, he just steps back a couple of yards and goes, go on, and you can win the header. I'll go and pick up the ball. Yeah, I'll, Be wait, I'll wait for the flick yeah. on. But yeah. he only had one really decent ball into the box, which he headed wide with about 10 minutes to go, Carroll. Uh, because their delivery was poor. They're a team, I, I think they're a very poor outfit, West Ham. The best player, I mean, Payet looks a shadow of himself. He doesn't want to be there. Uh, their best player by a million miles is the fullback, Cresswell. Yeah, yeah. In, well, I think he'll be in England's first choice left back in, a, in, the, in the coming years. Yeah, a really tidy player. And he, he stands out. And he, even when he doesn't do anything or 
doesn't do anything spectacular. That's what I meant. Um, he still stands out as a very classy player and consistently um, a good player, isn't he? It's, yeah, that's that's the thing, and he's he's got a good left foot going forward as well. That's the, but you can rely on him defensively as well. It's it's a tough balance with fullbacks these days, isn't it? Because you want them to support the attack more and more, but then a lot of fullbacks are sort of failed wingers in many senses. Look at Danny Rose at Spurs. I, would, I wouldn't trust him defensively if, as far as I could throw him, and I reckon I could throw him quite far because he's little. But he used to be a left winger, didn't he? <laughs> he but did. then it was like, oh, he's not quite good enough to be a left winger. We'll put him at left back. Well, we, we, we're the club with that's, um, that down to a T if you look at the squad. I mean, look at someone like Chilwell. It's great going forward. Defensively, he's a young man and he obviously got done for a goal in the FA Cup. But um, we'll come on to that in a bit. Uh and yet his, his his attributes going forward are fantastic. He's a very solid. He is a solid defender. But then look at the two fullbacks that we've that are perceived our first team fullbacks. Simpson is an out and out defender, mm-hmm. and again he's playing very well. He has been all season, um, arguably better than last season in theory. Um, and Fuchs again, he's more of a defensive fullback. And yes, he has a bit of a, a left foot. He's pinged one in already from thirty yards this year. It does less gallivanting these days, though, doesn't it? His age. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. It was a good performance, and then uh, West Ham came back into it later on. It was very similar to a game last season, towards the end of the season, a 1-0 win at home. Uh, But again, they didn't really put any major pressure on Leicester. I can't remember Schmeichel making a save that you would think would be difficult. He made one or two blocks, but uh, Antonio is a decent player. He uh, hit the bar in the first half with a volley. Um, and again, even with the volley, I've seen it on a replay, and I've watched the goalkeeper, and Schmeichel, at first I thought he got nowhere near it, but... I think he thought he was going over because he generally didn't put his arm up. And I went, that's strange. Well, but it did, did just about. Yeah, I don't know whether I'm just looking at the goalkeeper thinking, actually, he knew it was going over. But I don't think he, actually thinking about it, he might not have done. He might have just gone, that's too quick. Bang, crossbar. Bloody hell. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the one thing I'm going to say is Mr. Claudio Ranieri. Um, when a substitution is going to be made, so you know this, everyone knows this in the in the stadium. So when a player gets stripped on the sideline, mm-hmm. they're about to come on, you instantly go, right, who's going to come off? Now, normally it's quite obvious. A player's got injured, a player's not playing very well, or we need to go for a game, defend a game, whatever. Now, when Christian Fuchs got stripped off on the bench, I looked on the pitch and went, I generally have no idea, and I think I roughly know what's going on in the world of football. You know a bit about football, you know a bit about Leicester. And I sat there and went, I don't, on commentary I went, I don't know who's going to come off. No one's injured. Um, the only thing I could think of was Carroll kept on pulling away to the, their right, our left back. And he was winning obviously a lot of headers, so I thought, hang on, they're going to take Chilwell off. Because and bring Fuchs on because he's a couple on. of inches taller. Yeah, and also a secure fullback. Uh, the the left backs had a great game. Chilwell he's been, played very well, so it's a bit harsh on him. But you can understand what's going on. And if that substitution was made, I think everyone would have gone, okay, I can see what's going on there. Yeah, you know that's not the you know that's fine. So no, he brings off Riyad Mahrez, uh, who didn't look very happy, but never mind. He'd done his stuff. He's had his game, and he's at the great save by the keeper from a free kick. He, he'd been playing all right. Um, and then they pushed Chilwell further forward on that left, and Fuchs went to left back and instantly I went that's a very canny move and it worked perfectly because Fuchs came up uh, came on secured the defence played very well handled uh, Carroll and, and a lot of the attacks down that side and Chilwell was great on that side because he got forward he nearly scored maybe should have scored um, 
and it was just a bit of a masterstroke by Ranieri. And, um, Quite a clever bloke, isn't he? He's a very clever bloke. And I sat down and went, and in the back of my mind, I went, all them people who are in the stadium now who booed the grey decision the game before must have sat there and gone, that's a clever substitution. Because they might turn around now and go, oh, yeah, he was always going to do that. No. No, I, I don't believe anyone would have sat there and gone, that's. Nobody that's would have a, predicted that. Would no they? one would have really predicted that. Everyone must have thought Chilwell was coming off. So a very canny substitution in there by, uh, by Mr. Ranieri and a 1 0 win for City. Yeah, happy days. Clean sheet as well, which is a bonus. Yes, a clean sheet for Schmeichel. We're shipping a lot of goals, aren't we? Yes, and uh, again, it's our home form that's going to get us out of any uh, possible bother, or it's going to get us up the table. We're a good team at home. Just lastly on the West Ham game, Pete, what did you think of the referee? We've we've talked about referees till yeah. we're blue in the face on this podcast. I'm sure you've probably got something to say about this one as well. Yeah, it was dreadful. It was awful. It was rubbish. He lost the plots. Um, there was one tackle by Nordvite, or whatever you say. He's their fullback, yeah. um, who's rubbish. And uh, it was on the far side. Now, Alex was sat next to me in the commentary box, and he was on my left. And he did not see the tackle. He didn't think it was as bad as what I thought. I went mad straight away. Um, and apparently on Radio Leicester, the same thing happened. One to their left, one person thought it was one, and one person on the right thought it was a really bad tackle. Do you know what I mean? And um, straight away, I just went, that's a definite red card. The ball's nowhere near, and he's coming with a, a kung fu style. Not even a, It's not a high boot, right? That's the first thing. A high boot is when you reach for the ball, and maybe you're higher than the other person in terms of you're taller and your leg goes just above theirs, and maybe they go with their head. That's a high boot, okay? This is a jumping karate kick on... Chilwell. Can you do a demonstration right now for me, our video, and put it on Twitter? Definitely not. Right. And so it's a flying karate kick into the chest of Chilwell. The ball's nowhere near. So I don't know what the player's doing. What is he thinking? Now, I can completely understand if the referee didn't see it. The linesman's 10 yards away. 10 yards away. So when I talk about the referee, and I'm talking about the linesman's, the referee, all together, how that has gone unpunished is unbelievable now the replay I thought well all of a sudden the replay is not going to look as bad as I thought it looks worse really it looked, it's terrible and again this is the thing it just gets brushed out of the way it didn't happen and and that's the weird thing and, and we're talking and you can understand what time of you know, the week it is and what day of the week it is by what we'll come on to later with the FA Cup now at the time of recording John Terry his red card for Chelsea has been um Appealed by Chelsea. Why? What What? What grounds have they got to appeal on that? He was the last man. He upended the man. Doesn't matter if he hurt him. Doesn't matter if it wasn't a particularly strong challenge. He's tripped him up. Last man. Red card. Exactly. Did you know he's got three of Chelsea's last six red cards? Well, I'm not surprised. Um, in the game between Man United and West Ham, right? Two players went into for a, for a tackle. Faguli. Yep. He gets sent off. Was it a bad tackle? No. Was it a bad decision? I agree it was a bad decision, but did the guy jump in? Bit of a lunge, yes. Mm-hmm. Did the other guy? Yes. But a decision was made by Mike Dean, who we know. We, I mean, we all know. I'm not going to do my impression of Mike Dean. Please. But um, no, no, no. No, no, no. It's a red card. Right. He, gave, he did that, and he gave the red card. They appealed, and the appeal was upheld, and the guy has been let off. I'm only going to say two words. Jamie Vardy. Yeah, 
Okay, all these red cards that should have happened weren't given for the likes of Rojo. His was given, and the FA would never in a million years were they going to say the appeal was going to be okay. They, at the time, needed to back their referees because they needed a red card for a two-footed tackle or a two-footed lunge. That was the theme of that week. They needed to punish someone to get everyone off the back. Now, it's gone the other way, and it's just unbelievably inconsistent. It's unbelievably inconsistent. How, if the referee thought that Faguli jumped in two-footed, which he did, and he gave a red card, how can that be overturned and then Vardy's not? I don't know the answer to your question, Pete, I'm afraid. It's it's bizarre. Now, do I think Faguli should have been sent off? No. Do I think Jamie Vardy should have been sent off? I think he was very close walking the line to a possible red card. Yeah. But... The decision is still about the appeal. It's all about the appeal. I had an argument yesterday with someone about this topic, and they said, yeah, but you think Vardy should have got sent off. I said, no, I'm arguing about the appeal process. The FA will only uh, upheld an appeal if it's in theme of that week. If the referees need it to get the public or the press off their back, we'll let it go. Oh, no, we need to back our referees for this week because they've made two horrors in the week before. So what we're going to do? Red card, nope, definitely a red card. Yeah, it's that's rant over. Anyway, I'm glad about that. Shall we? Shall we move into the new year? Yes, please. 2017. Do you know what we're unbeaten in 2017? We are unbeaten in 2017. Started on the second with. Uh, I can't say it's 2017, but we're unbeaten in. I'd, apologies to anybody that went up to Middlesbrough for that because. There wasn't really a lot of football about it, was there? No, I suppose the main talking point was Slomani was out with flu mm. uh, or a fever, actually. Which he's managed to, he managed to sneeze on Andy King and Jamie Vardy for yeah. the next game, didn't he? So we drew 0-0 with Middlesbrough and then on to the FA Cup. <laughs> yeah. well, Moving swiftly yeah, on. We're not going to talk about it. There's no point. Solid game, 0-0, job done. Away point, clean sheet, happy days. I think both teams settled for 0-0 probably after 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, Yes, and onto the FA Cup where we played Everton away. Um, was it the sixth game on the bounce that we've drawn a Premier League side? I think something along them lines. An unbelievable record of, of having terrible draws in the FA Cup. When I mean terrible draws, I obviously refer to the fact we're playing difficult teams. Mm. Now, I have gone on record quite a few times saying I like the fact that we're playing big teams, big games in the FA Cup. I like that big occasion. I'm getting quite weary of it now. I'd, I'd, I'd love Wickham at home. Oh, actually, not no, Wickham. No, not Wickham. No, no, no. Anyone but Wickham, please. <laughs> um, we all know what happened yeah. last time we lost to them. Northampton at home. We lost about 15 years of our, <laughs> of our Premier League status, didn't we? That one game. Yeah, that did. one game ruined the club because what we were fourth in the league. Yeah, something like that. Um, we just beat Liverpool 2 0 the week before. Am I right? So this might be come, got a few seasons mixed up. And we were fourth. And then we played them in the cup with the with Simon Royce in goal and so, obviously the Roy Essendo goal, all that sort of thing. And then we lost the next ten on the bounce, and it was basically the decline of the club. It was, yeah. That one and, game ruined the club and ruined Peter Taylor's managerial career reputation, but, didn't it? The club just well, it folded. <laughs> it folded three years later. We imploded, didn't we? Oh, slightly, so, yeah. So anyone but Wickham in the FA Cup, please. Yeah, but, and um, but Everton, I guess. I guess it gave us a chance to right the wrongs of Boxing Day, in a way, didn't it? It did. I went on um, BBC, not BBC Merseyside, it was the, uh, oh my God, what was it called? It's like Big City Radio on Merseyside again. Pete's so big time he forgets who he talks to these (laughs) days. Oh, Um, somebody else wants me as a guest, oh yes please. They'll be listening going, oh my God. (laughs) Um, Yes, and, uh, and they were talking about the game and I... 
don't like to make predictions, <laughs> which we'll come on to in a minute. Uh, but I um, I predicted on there that it would be nil-nil at half-time and quite boring, and then the game would explode into life later on, and it would probably be about a 2-2 draw. Ta-da! Um, Not I'd, far off. No, I did say the game would revolve around Jamie Vardy, who would be back from a uh, from obviously being suspended. But um, he had a virus slash... Also, his wife's giving birth. She's kept birth. She has now, hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, as, as time of recording, she's, uh, he's tweeted the baby boy, so well done, congratulations, all that sort of thing, to the Vardis. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't playing. So, Leicester had their team out, as you would expect. Obviously, no Mares, no Slimani because of uh, international duty. Nice for Ajoa to get a start. Because a lot of the no fans Martin. have been calling for him, haven't they? Yes, and it was the change in formation. City played with the three in midfield at Middlesbrough, and this time they played, and it was the debut of Wilfred Ndidi, mm-hmm. uh, who we've known is going to sign for Leicester and eventually has 15 mil. And it was him and Mendy, who's now back fully fit, um, anchoring the midfield, yes, anchoring the midfield, um, with drink water in, in front of them. So a 4 2 one 3 one, You've Ideally, got, you've got too many numbers there. Maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking a four-three-three is the best way to put it. Probably, you, you've got four defenders, you've got three in midfield, and then you generally have three further forward, with obviously the middle one being the figurehead, the main forward, um, and that can easily change. But generally, that's how it goes. Mm. And Leicester played very well. It was controlled game. Wilfred and Didi, man of the match, great debut, slotted straight in. This is a twenty-year-old who signed and played, in theory, a Premier League game. I know it's the FA Cup, but you know what I mean. But it's pretty much, yeah. That's a very impressive thing to do. After two training sessions as well, to, yep. to just slot in to a new system as well. If he was slotting into a system that Leicester had been playing, if he was slotting into the four four two, every other player around him would know exactly what they were doing. For him to slot into a new system, having had two training sessions, to meet the players, meet the gaffer, work out the formation... And then just go and get man of the match just like that at the age of 20. And I don't want to pile any kind of pressure on his shoulders. Not that he's going to listen to this. But it's a very strong start. It is. It's impressive. And Ranieri said that after the training sessions, they were going to play him on the bench. They were going to start him on the bench. And then they saw him in training and went, no, he's straight into the team. And done very well. And it's a very solid looking midfield that. And it can be adapted. It can change. It's nice to have Mendy back playing fully fit. And he's showing what he can do. He is covered a lot of ground, didn't he, Mendy? That's that's his job. That's that's what he is, isn't he? He is a, he is a defensive midfield. And I think, indeed, he has the options of maybe going forward. I think physically, obviously, he's a lot taller than Mendy. Um, and he looks like he might end up being a box-to-box type player. Mm. But if you've got three in the middle there... Ndidi wins the initial challenge. Mendy's buzzing around to pick up the second ball and give it to Drinkwater. Drinkwater picks the attacking pass. Happy days. All of a sudden, we were lacking midfielders for the game against Everton on Boxing Day. And now we've got a luxury of midfielders. It's mm-hmm. um, it's a really strong position that Leicester have. Uh, and they went in front, did Everton, in the second half. Uh, goal once again by Lukaku, who always scores. He seems to score every single game for Everton. Um Ben Chilwell played very well on the left, got done for the goal yeah. by Delefeo. Yeah, but Delefeo's rapid. Yep. And he just got past him and got to the byline. Exactly right. But what, what's Lukaku doing standing in the six-yard box all on his Todd? Well, maybe true. I just think it's... I mean, in the history of world football, wingers have beaten fullbacks. Yeah, of course they've, they they've skinned them. Yeah. That's, and that's not happened. anything to highlight against Ben Chilwell. No, he'll... A few people said, oh, he got done very easily for the goal. I don't think he was done easily. 
Um, you try stopping Delafeu. He's a young fullback. He's a young winger. He's formerly from Barcelona. He's going to do that. Like I said, it happens. Fuchs has been done many times before, and uh, it, it just happens. So they went in front, but Leicester bounced back. Feed the moose and he will score. I just about got in the car after finishing work to listen to this passage of play. You can imagine how uh, how Ian Stringer coped with it all. Oh yeah, when I didn't understand many of the words. No, that he said. It went berserk. But he, uh, yeah, it was it was a great comeback by Leicester, and it was a goal by Musa, a bit scrappy, but a good play on the left. Uh, and then the second goal was a lovely goal, a first ball by down the left hand side from Albrighton, and a great run by Musa, who would buy then. You could see the confidence was up, and he was running all over the place, confident, pacey, as we know, and a lovely one too with drink water and we'll a confident finish. Well. finish. Yeah. And again, we mentioned, though, you mentioned in the previous part, he will be released in in January. They're going to unleash the moose on football. And um, <laughs> should he maybe have been released early? I don't know. I think people, have, I don't know, maybe people turn up and they need that few months of training and getting used to the conditions, to the country, to the league. I don't know. But maybe through necessity rather than his own performances, possibly he is needed more than he was before, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough one because how much time can you give someone who, at the time of him being bought, was the club's record signing? You, sometimes yes. you think, right, I'm paying that much money, I want that much money's worth of footballer straight away. But it doesn't happen because he was playing in for Moscow. He was playing in a, he was playing I in, wouldn't say the best league in the world, but the thing is, what I would say is that because of our position in the league and the way that money has gone through the roof in world football... The fact that he is our most expensive player at the time, yes, it's an awful lot of money. Yes, he should have been starting straight away, slotted straight into the team. But it's not his fault it cost that much money. And also, because we only signed players for small amounts previously, the amount that we've paid was a huge amount for Leicester. If it was Arsenal paying that sort of money, then they would have said, yeah, OK, we'll give him six months to get used to the league. And now, all of a sudden, he's paying well. That's not a problem. Um so there we go. Yeah, we've seen glimpses of what he can do. And Ranieri said uh, that he's seen him in the last month and has seen that he's, f- he, not finally, but he's starting to click with the challenges of playing in England, the intensities, the style of play. And what he said in his post-match press conference as well, Ranieri, is that they managed to find Musa with the right kind of balls. Because the couple of times that we've seen him play in the league so far, he's either been out on the left or up front as part of a two and the service hasn't been tailored to him. And it's like you said with Slomani, you've got to tailor the service to him. You can't just lump it up in the air because he's a bit taller than most of our other strikers. It's got to be the right kind of service. Slomani probably wants it feet because he's a te- good technician but strong. Musa wants a ball in a channel for, for his pace. That's what he got for one of the goals. And now he's adapting in training. You could see his tail was up after that goal. It just takes that little moment... I mean, that that could be the best thing he ever does in a Leicester shirt, those two. Well, probably apart from the two goals, at, uh, that <laughs> goal against Barcelona from yes. the halfway line. They, they could be the only things he ever does in a Leicester shirt. Or this could be the start of the unleashing of the moose, if you like. Who knows? But it's really exciting and it's a great win for Leicester in the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, and we march on into the fourth round. 
What did you tweet before the fourth round draw? It's not just what I tweeted. I said to a number of people, uh, I met a few, well, I went to the petrol station and um, I saw a few friends you, who were... You just bumped into... I bumped into a few mates who were filling their cars up and... Pete's I, a local celeb. I, 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 if you, if no, you're from, I, just, I just bumped into them. If you're from Shepshed or live in Shepshed and you don't know who Pete is, you're not a true Shepshedder. Is that what they're called? Shepshedite? Shepshed, Shepshedish? Shepshedians. Shepshedians, there you go. You've just made that up, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's other words, but uh, I wouldn't say that. I would. You, you, I are, you are true. I think you're playing yourself down a bit. No, no, no. I, I um... Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> no, I saw a few people I know, and they basically... And I said, look, Derby away would be great. Derby away. Tweeted beforehand. Derby away, please. Wasn't that about half an hour before the draw? Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the draw was made. Of course, first number came out was Spurs. And I went, oh, God. Here, here we, we go. Here we go. And um, they got Wickham, who as, we've mentioned. Yeah, and then it was Derby number fifteen, and obviously we were number sixteen. And as soon as Derby got pulled out, I turned to a few mates and went, "This is definitely Leicester. Yeah. It's definitely Leicester." And of course, number sixteen, and they all just looked at me in one move, and I went, <laughs> "Told you." I told, here we go. Hashtag Mystic Pete. <laughs> but it was um, yeah. So we're playing Derby away. What a great draw! Now I mentioned it'd be great to play a lower league team. Ha, huh? we are and. Um, it's just a perfect draw because it's a big game. It'll probably be on TV. Great for the fans. I hope we win. And the best thing is Derby fans have reacted awfully to it so far. Absolutely. It's so funny. I know we're talking about keyboard warriors and all that sort of thing. But they've literally distanced, distanced themselves from Leicester even more. I mean, what is the distance? 20, 25 miles, 20 miles. Not far, far at all. But they've literally gone, We, as as we know what Derby fans are like, we don't care about you. We only care about Forrest. They've made their excuses so loud and clear already. They are running scared. Running scared. A lad I used to work with just put uh, in the fifth round them. Just like that. Yeah. Just put that on his Facebook and I just put one of those crying, laughing faces. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're a, a good team in the championship. They've just signed David Nugent, who's obviously going to score. And it's going to be... against us? Yeah. It's obviously going to be... No, no. It's obviously going to be a difficult game. Let's just look at the game on a whole. It's going to be a difficult game. A very exciting and, and great draw, really, for the... I think it's a, a fantastic tie. I and think so, yeah. I'm trying my hardest to get there, so... Um, yes, roll on the FA Cup, and then who knows from then on. The thing... I've always... I reckon, well, I don't reckon, but you look at the draw for the last number of years in the FA Cup, you look at how at how Chelsea have got to the later stages in the FA Cup. Hmm. They play lower league opposition at home all the time. All the time. And the one thing I will say is that the BBC are the most two-faced when it comes to the FA Cup. They are. They shove down like, oh, it's the spirit of the cup, or it's the uh, romance of the FA Cup. Oh, look at the underdogs. Oh, we're going to do it from Sutton. We're going to go to AFC a- a- Wimbledon. We're going to da da Yeah, and when it comes to their live games, they put the big boys on. If Man United are on TV at home to Wigan, which will be about the 56th game on the bounce in the FA Cup, that's actually true. Since about 2003, every single one of their games has been live on TV. Is that a real stat? Yes, it is actually. Um, and if that is true, it's an absolute disgrace. Yes, there's not an awful lot of big, big ties in the FA Cup fourth round, but if they're at home to Wigan, that is a disgrace because you've got the likes of either AFC Wimbledon or 
Sutton, they play in Leeds, TV. Probably Derby versus Leicester. Look at it neutrally, you'd probably say TV. Even the likes of Wickham away at... Um, Spurs. At Spurs. Yeah. Even someone like Brentford, London Derby against Chelsea. You never know. That's got more appeal than Wigan, who are struggling terribly. Wigan are crap. Yeah, they're struggling really bad. In United bore me. It's, it's, that should not be on TV at all. There's no reason, if, it's, if it is then every time BBC turn around and say Spirit of the Cup or Romance of the FA Cup, no. Rubbish. Not at all, not at all. Shall we have a look at Twitter and see what a few uh, few reactions to your prediction and to the draw were? Mark Perkins, who's uh, one of our fellow commentators at the Leicester City Audio Description Service, said you asked for it and you got it. You did ask for it, Pete. You did ask for it. Uh, Tom Knoll said that worked. Did yep. work. Uh, Paul Oliver, do you have a crystal ball in there? Nope. No, he's just very good. Pete Selby, oh, that's you. And the lottery numbers will be... Have you, did you have a little flutter later on that day? Uh, no, well, it was Monday, so I've got until Wednesday. Of course you have, yeah. Uh, and Andy Moore, who's a fellow Shepshedian, is that what you said? Yes. These days? Yes. Um, said, um, the draw is interesting and worrying, considering my other involvement at the ladies' side of the club. He's director of media at Derby County Ladies. Uh, he said, but he's a Leicester fan, he said, we're picking up, we'll win. How are they doing in the league? Derby ladies? Uh, it, it, I've got no idea. Is he is he kind of like a, like a hidden agent? Is he like making them really, it doesn't really matter about the, 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 the ladies team, but maybe if he, like, if he works towards like the, the, the senior side, the men's team. Yeah. He can become can like a just, double can agent. You, yeah, can you just get in and just destroy Derby County from yeah, the inside? Yeah, exactly. He'd struggle to sneak in, though, because he's, he's about six foot eight. We won't tell anyone. Andy, don't tell anyone. No. So that's the FA Cup fourth round draw. That will take place at the end of January. And uh, we'll look forward to it. Yes, we are. Love the FA Cup. Yes. Right, so we've got through everything that has happened. We're unbeaten in 2017, as we said. And then the next match is Chelsea at home. On the telly, unfortunately, it's another one that I can't get to. Because, Is it really? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm the stadium announcer at Loughborough Lightning Netball versus England Under 21's preseason fixture. Oh right, there you go. You, you peace gonna, peace gonna, Proscovia. Uh, Proscovia. Oh God! <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, Peace Proscovia. I would that say it's such a great name to announce. It is. I will say I see her all the time around uh, Loughborough, but you do because she's about six foot nine. But no, I'll be there. And it reminds me of the game against Man City, like the build up to it. And of course, we're defending champions. Remember what happened last year, of course, with uh, with Mahrez's goal, fantastic goal, and Mourinho was sacked as well. So looking forward to that. And oh, hang on. Strange. I'll just grab this. It's my name on it. I'll just... Hello. Hang on, Rob. I think we're going to have to... Uh, I'll just put this on speaker. One sec. You've got to hear this. Hang on. You put me on speakerphone? Don't put me on speakerphone. I've not got time. Right. If you put me on speakerphone, that means that Rob can hear me as well. OK, Rob, this is Pete. So this is me from the future. It's just turned 2018, and I'm phoning up because the place has gone mad. Because of the prediction of Derby against Leicester in the fourth round that Pete got right, the place has gone mad. People keep on harassing him for predictions for the future. He's in police protection. OK, Pete. 
be careful out there. People want to know the lottery numbers. They want to know the horse racing results. They want to know absolutely everything. Anyway, I'm just going to give you a few things that you can say that will come true. A bit of a hand from the future. They've invented a time phone. That's what I'm talking through. So you've not gone mad. But anyway, the podcast, when it goes from strength to strength, it's the only salvation for people because of Trump, because of Brexit. Everyone goes insane. And the podcast is the saviour. It's the only sane thing that people will listen to all year. So they rely on you. So you two, just stay safe. Rob, your car is a write-off. You're going to have to get a new one. Anyway, Leicester in the FA Cup. to beat Derby by four goals to nil. Dead easy. Another 15 minutes at the beginning of the game where they score four goals. All headers. They beat Spurs on the way to Wembley. I'm not going to tell you what happened at Wembley because you need something to look forward to. Anyway, the Champions League. Pete, no booze until Seville. It's an absolute disgrace. You fail at the first hurdle. You get sunburns in Seville. Mares goes mad in Madrid in the next round. And anyway, he gets sold for 50 million to Madrid because of that performance. We finished 10th in the league. It's a great end of season. Ranieri has a huge statue. Starling S gets built at the top of the high street near the train station, looking down on Clock Tower. Uh, what else happens? Oh, there's loads of celebrity deaths as well this year. You thought 2016 was bad. Just wait until 2017. Oh, my God. I think there's people outside. Look, they've got placards saying, give me the lottery numbers. Oh, my God. Right. Mike Dean, he goes on Strictly Come Dancing. The place goes mad. He gets voted out in the first round, but he still turns up. He goes, no, no, no. I'm still in Strictly Come Dancing. This will crack wins the Gold Cup by about 20 lengths. The tie owners... They go insane with that 50 million from Mares to buy everyone a helicopter. So you've got the likes of Danny Simpson driving a helicopter to Morrison's. It's an absolute, it's place has gone mad. But the worst thing of all, Danny Drinkwater still doesn't get a starting role in the England team. Gareth Southgate, it's not really a prediction or, or something from the future. He's absolutely terrible as England manager. Anyway, Sam Allardyce, he gets busted for a bung on a transfer of a dodgy left-back to Crystal Palace. He's in jail. And uh, I better go now because I've only got a few minutes on the time phone because the costs are extraordinary. Stay safe, you guys. Oh, that S- was that was me. That was you from that was me 2018. From 2018 being harassed because of that stupid. Well, it wasn't stupid because it was accurate. Mystic Pete has actually landed you in a lot of trouble. I have powers beyond that. I really, I didn't know I had them. But how does 2017 Pete sitting here right now feel about? 2018 Pete's predictions well not even predictions premonitions they happen he's, he's been there well I think we're going to have to keep them to ourselves so everyone out there you've heard that keep that to yourselves because if you start going off on one about what happens and obviously when it becomes true then you'll get harassed and you heard what happened in there people mm. were banging the door down and all sorts and if you start telling people things are going to happen then they might then not happen because that might change the future yes keep quiet about the old time phone thing as well because I think people might think that you've gone a bit uh, fruit loops yeah I mean phones have advanced quite a lot in recent years but so Chelsea on Saturday Chelsea at home yeah um, <laughs> Chelsea on Sky or BT or one of them it's on TV and the last game we played against Chelsea at home of course great goals by Mares as I was saying before I interrupted myself and uh, yeah weird it, that. yeah it was um, it was it was a fantastic match do I think it's going to be different yes have they got a midfielder called Kante yes it's going to be very interesting do you think Rob yeah mm. do you think that they should they be in Leicester should play the same formation that they did against Everton. I see no reason why not. I don't see why any of those players would deserve not to be in the team. I don't see why a system that 
worked and looked solid and fluid in equal measure should be changed. And if you come unstuck against a team like Chelsea, or it, it does leave you exposed in certain areas, there's always the solid four four two to revert to. Yes, I mean, I'd, I'd start with it. You'd Would, imagine... Who, who, who do you start through the middle? Musa? Up front on his own. The one question I have Vardy is... Vardy should be back, shouldn't he? He should be, but then again, it depends how badly the fever takes effect, because we all know that fevers sometimes can knock you out of action for a week. You know, he needs to be at A1 game. Mm. He needs to be not you know 90%, he needs to be 100%. You play Vardy down the centre, obviously. Um, he can play up front on his own in that formation because he's going to be helped out by the likes of Albrighton and Gray. Um, I think we should play exactly the same formation. It's interesting because at home, I thought we'd still go with four four two, and away we might change this three-man midfield. But, oh yes, I, I would stick to the same formation. Kante, what kind of reception do you think he's going to get? I think some people still think he's a bit of a sellout. So I think, I don't think, I think it will be split. I think I really think it will be split. I think there will be people that will look at him, look at the situation we're in now as opposed to what we were when he was at the club. No, he's not a one-man team. However, he did make a significant difference to our team. I think people will realise that he was a massive component to us winning the title and that his wishes should be respected. And if I was there which I'd bloody like to be, but I'm not. I'm at the netball. Uh, I would stand up and applaud the bloke. I, I Whatever his reasons are for leaving, the, you can take nothing away from the fact that he was one of the major players in the best season that our club will ever have. I remember at Filbert Street years ago, and this is the sort... I hate it when a player just gets roundly booed because he used to play for a club. I hate it when they get roundly cheered because they did the same. What I liked once is... Um, we were at Filbert Street and we were playing against Man United and a certain David Beckham was playing there and he was chalk and cheese at the time, you know. He was, at the time, he was actually really well liked by the general public, you know, the general England fan he was on the side of. It was before the red card and all that sort of thing. And he went over to take a um, corner and he got a big kind of round of applause in a way, polite round of applause, if say, we know who you are, you know, but, you know, polite round of applause. Uh, are you, David? H- hello, you know, and all that sort of thing. And that was fine. And the corner came in and it was cleared and a shot came in, went for another corner. And he went over to the same corner and got an absolute jeering by everyone. And I thought <laughs> that was brilliant. That's what Football should happen. Fans. So Kante, he goes over to one side of the field towards the corner and he gets a bit of a bit of a polite round of applause during the game. You don't want to cheer anyone during the game, but he gets a polite round of applause. And then if he comes over to that corner again, give him hell because he's playing for the opposition. Do you know what I mean? It's so, like, so one's a mark of respect and the other is very much a here and now you're in a Chelsea shirt. Yes, it's, yeah. it's a basically once his name's read out over the loudspeaker... Big cheer and all that. Cause it's before the game, nothing can happen. This is what I would hope for. Um, and then maybe goes over to certain corners and they get a, a bit of a round of applause. He might even do the same back if the game's stopped because of an injury or whatever. Or it's just going out for a throw-in. I was going to say, if you're Angolo Kante, do you, do you clap people? I don't think he does. I mean, but you know what I mean, an acknowledgement. And then give him hell for the rest of the game because it's a game situation and he's playing for Chelsea. That's the ideal, ideal thing. Um or even just before the game, big round of applause, big cheer, and then during the game, boo him all you like every time he gets the ball. That's fine. Yeah, because that way you're booing him for the there and then, aren't you? You're not exactly. You're very clearly not booing him for the fact that he used to play for Leicester and 
and also and, and left us in the summer. Yes, he did, and it's a real shame he did. And that's from a complete Leicester point of view. Should he have stayed? Should he showed more uh, loyalty to a club who signed him? Well, he would have been signed possibly, but anyway, would he have gone to Chelsea? No, as he used Leicester as a stepping stone. I don't think he used is the word. He's gone to play for a team who are now flying at the top of the league. Who he deserves to play for? Exactly. So. Uh, if you look at it now, you go, it's a real shame he didn't stay, obviously. but Right decision for him. There you go. That, it's, it's, it's gone. He's He's gone for a lot of money. Um, there you go. I would generally give him a round of applause and give him a thumbs up. And then I'll change the thumbs up to two fingers during the game. <laughs> because that's, that's what you do. No, you won't, because you're in a professional environment in the press box. So you'll... Uh, I'll take a photo. Or, or wear mittens, so we can't tell how many fingers you put. Always wear gloves. Tip number one of commentary: Always wear. Doesn't matter if it's in the summer. Take a pair of gloves. I've told Bree- Alex this. <laughs> breezy up there, isn't it? It always just take gloves because you hands get cold all the time. Um, the actual game it's going to be very difficult. Costa's on fire. Chelsea are playing very well. I know they got beat at Spurs, but Spurs are playing well, especially at home, and they got a couple of players playing very well. Um, it's yeah, going to be they've got quality all over the pitch. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. I think again, it's a bit like the Man City game, which, funny enough, we needed that win. Um, I think it's just a bit of a free hit, isn't it? It's if we do lose, it's not the end of the world. I just hope that we do the same that we did against West Ham and against Man City, and we fly at them for the first ten, fifteen, twenty minutes. Put the frighteners, put on the them. frighteners on them. Maybe get a goal and just see how it goes. Uh, obviously. For those two games, Slimani against West Ham won't be there. And the game against Man City, um, obviously Vardy will be playing, but there won't be the other two who cause chaos, and that's Mares and Slimani. So it's going to be relying on the likes of Gray, huge game for him, um, to be playing. because yeah, you'd stand, imagine, stand up and be counted now. Exactly, you imagine he'll be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, stand up and be counted, you've wanted to be playing all this time. You want to be the number one creative attacking midfielder, winger. Exactly. This, this is you now. This is your chance. Um, and I just hope they take it and play well. Like I said, the results, it'd be nice to get a result, a draw would be great, but we'll just wait and see. Again, it's another game to show off the fact that we're champions, to sing it loud and and tell everyone that we are and show off a bit. Mm-hmm. Have a game and, 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 and take it as a one-off, which it is. It is. I think that's about it from from this episode on a week where Mystic Peak correctly predicted that Leicester would face Derby away in the fourth round of the FA Cup. A week where Claudio Ranieri was named the best coach in the world. Great speech. Yeah. A week he says, where... What do you say? He's, he's 65 and he's just starting. Yeah. Well, I hope he's just starting with us. Yes, sir. Um, Long and successful. Long may he reign, King Claudio. Oh, yes, definitely. So it's been an eventful... New Year for Leicester. It's been an eventful New Year for the podcast. So keep on listening. Spread the word about the podcast. Once again, we got our most amount of listeners for the uh, festive special. Which, to be honest, I, I mean, I listened back to every episode, and that w- it was very good. So any if response, you do say so yourself. Oh, it was, you know, it, it was. <laughs> right? I, I'd say I tell everyone on the podcast. I tell you, I say it how I see it. And if I didn't like it, I say, do you know what? That last one wasn't very good. So. Um, Tell everyone about the podcast. Subscribe via iTunes if you want to via the podcast on there. Completely free. Uh, sign up via SoundCloud, YouTube. Sign up on Twitter at FFSPod. Facebook, just search for, for Fox 8 Podcast. And uh, spread the word about the podcast. And we can only go on from strength to strength next year. And it's all about you guys, the people who are listening to the podcast, wherever you are in the world. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Anything you like to add, anything that you don't like. 
just let us know your theory or your predictions or anything to do with next year, uh, how you would like Leicester to go forward. Also, because we're approaching the end of January, who would, and then we'll obviously we'll do a transfer special at the end of uh, January. Who do you want Leicester to sign? You can email the podcast for podcast at gmail.com with all your thoughts about the podcast and about possible signings. Uh, we'll just finish on the signings because we're obviously in the transfer window now. We've signed Undidi. Uh, the rumours are Jeff Schlupp's going to be leaving the club and uh, hopefully a bit of a bidding Good. war going on. Because how, how well, can you reject nine million pounds for that clumsy person? Well, Jeff Schlupp, who has won the Premier League and the Championship, and has been at the club for a while, and has maybe not lived up to what we want, and he's been disappointing in his last few games, but he played well last season. Jeff Schlupp. Mm, he played well for Jeff Schlupp. Doesn't, I'm, mean, he, I'm, doesn't mean he played well. That's how I'm treating Jeff. I think he's. I think he's a bit of a public enemy number one. Because there isn't anyone else. That's my theory about. I'm not, Jeff I'm not against the bloke, um, but. He's obviously going to be sold, but the reason that they've turned down nine million is because twelve was offered in the summer, and if West Brom still want him, and obviously Palace do, both clubs have a decent amount of money as well. So how about a bit of a price war going on and try and get the biggest get, price? Get I, think up, yeah. I think he'll go. I think he'll go. And what do, what do Palace want Jeff Schlupp for when they've got Punch and Zaha, Townsend? All of them can actually play football. Well, they they obviously do. On his day, he can be very useful. So hopefully we can get a few quid for him. What do you think? I mean, this is Italian centre-half that they're interested in. I mean, any centre-half will be good. I mean, there was rumours about Luis Hernandez um, maybe going to Malaga. But obviously, we need to bring in some defenders. Um, I'd, I'd like Michael Keane because... He's, he's going to cost £30 million. Pounds. I don't care. He's a quality player. He's got He's playing very well in the Premier League at the moment and has the potential to play even better understands the English game, knows the club he's been here before. Oh, it'd be a great signing, but he's going to cost 30 million quid. Yeah, but and you offset that against... The, what If you get 15 million for Jeff Schlupp, then you get Michael Keane half price. I agree. And, I and agree. you get rid of Jeff Schlupp. I, I do agree as well. This Italian fella... I don't, think they'll, what, I don't think they'll buy him. Do we give him a six-month grace period like we have to with some of the other players that don't understand the English game? You, you need. He's had a very interesting career, that guy is. Well, yeah, interesting is the word, isn't it? Yeah, but um, we need, we'll, we'll we need see somebody whether we stable it. who is there and then ready to cover. I agree, but who, who out there? I mean, Michael Keane, it's all very well saying, here's 30 million quid... For a start, if Leicester went up to Burnley tomorrow and said, here's £30 million, they'll say no, because we are in the Premier League, we're above Leicester, and £30 million is what we'll probably lose by not being, or more than that, by not being in the league, which they possibly will be, without mm. Keane, not just because of the player, the leadership and all that he brings to the club, and also the, it will look bad on all the, all the other players, but like, well, hang on, if we're selling him. So maybe that's something for a big bid in the summer, but... Um, Obviously, we need defenders. It's what about what's your thought about Robbie Brady, a player who's not really done it at uh, Norwich, who bought him for a lot of money, not good enough, but he does it for Ireland, not good enough, not good enough. He, he's no better than what we've got at the minute. I I see no reason why we'd spend any money on him. I think he could be useful if we bought him for about the same amount for Jeff Schlupp. Although, if we did a straight swap with Jeff Schlupp, would you be happy? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that, 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 that's fine. That's what I think. I, I wouldn't like to spend an awful lot of money on him because I think he's limited, but he's limited being a really good crosser. If we can sell, Schl- if we can sell Schlupp for 15 and bring Brady in for 10, even better. Yeah, I agree. Do we need another striker? Last question. No. A lot of people chatting about that. Ian Stringer says yes. 
Uh, well, you can say that. Um, other Claudio, people can... Claudio Ranieri says no. No, but he Matt says Elliott no. Matt says, can we replace Leo Ajoa with somebody of a bit better quality? I would go along the fact that we've got Vardy, we've got um, Slomani, obviously coming back from the, the African Cup of Nations, we've got Musa, yeah, we've got the, 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 quest, the question was because yeah. um, Slomani's away for a, a period. I don't think so. It depends how bad... Ojo's injury. If he's only out for a couple of weeks, then that's fine. If he's out for a few months, then maybe. But again, are you buying a stopgap? What are you getting? Um, the interesting thing that I would look for is, I mean, I don't know how old he is at the top of my head, but um, this Paul Hogan, who's going to West Ham from um, Brentford, scored a lot of goals. Maybe someone along those lines where they've scored a lot of goals at the lower level, Okay, and some of the big clubs are after him in the Premier League. Now, it'd be interesting if Leicester kind of hijacked that bid to say, get to the club, get used to training at this level and playing at this level, and then maybe come on next year, similar to Avardi in a way, but maybe not from that lower league position. You're looking at maybe Championship League One. So that could be interesting. Rather than get a ready-made player, maybe an older player from the continent, like a Lorente, something like that, you're looking at maybe a lower league player that you signed maybe for a few quid, Hogan, 12, 13 million. Well, Arsenal have spent that a lot of money on Lookman as well, haven't they? Uh, not Arsenal, Everton. Yeah. On Lookman. Exactly. So maybe along them lines. And that may be where they're going with centre-halves. It doesn't often... Uh, it doesn't... It works sometimes. Look at someone like Stones, gone from Barnsley, 3 million over to Everton, and then we know what happened there. So maybe there are these players lower down that they might sign two or three and say, look, these maybe one or two will float and the other one might be sold off. You never know.